0: So I love to cook, that's no secret and we have this rule in my house. There are some things that I just don't do. If I can pay less than $10 for it and it is way better than I can make it, I ain't doing it. All right, I really I rarely do fajitas at my house. Why? Cuz every Mexican place does a pretty good fajita for about 6.99. I don't make Philly cheesesteaks at home. Why? Because they're they're difficult. You got to buy the stuff to do it, and it don't work right in a pan when they can do it on a giant griddle at the mall for about seven bucks. Some things I just don't do. I don't make chicken sandwiches because God, on the eighth day, God created Chick-fil-A. A. Well, I just don't do it. Well, in some other ways, there are things that I don't do either. I'm a storyteller. It's what I do. I'm word guy. That's what I do. But this I couldn't. We just started our walk through Luke, and I told you that, that, that Luke was the kind of guy that if, 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 if they said Jesus walked on water, before Luke wrote it down, Luke said, let's go see the lake. If they said Jesus called a sinner or a guy came down through the roof, Luke said, take me to the house. Let me see the top. That's how Luke worked. He was a doctor. He was a historian. He was a theologian. He was a brilliant man who went and found and asked. And as I was studying, I found what you're about to see. And I cannot do it better. What if 40 or 50 years after the manger, Luke was trying to figure this whole thing out. And he went and he knocked on a door of a small home. And a woman answered. Luke looked into her eyes for the first time and said, Mary? She said, yeah and he said, I'd love to ask you a few questions.
1: When Luke came to my house to convince me to tell my story, I didn't say anything for a long time. It just triggered so many flashbacks. The time Gabriel spoke to me, the first time I helped my husband Joseph, the first time I saw Jesus' face, his first miracle, and then the death of my firstborn son. Teenager, young mother, widow, and then the mature woman you see before you now in a flash. So I smiled and turned him down. Nobody would believe my story, so what's the use to tell it? Mary was very likely a young teenager when she became pregnant with Jesus. Her story in Luke is so detailed that it appears likely she gave her eyewitness account to Luke himself. Could Jesus be God's son? Luke showed me some of his early writings about the miracles of Jesus. And he convinced me that he might be able to comprehend an incomprehensible story. So, for the very first time, I told him things that nobody had ever heard, well, except for my husband, Joseph. Things that I had treasured in my heart for many decades. I'm pleased that he was able to choose some of my story to complete his book. You may have noticed that only Luke wrote many of the events surrounding the birth stories of John and Jesus. But Luke started his story with my cousin, Elizabeth, because that's why I started my story. Elizabeth, my most favorite cousin. She was older than I, much older, so I thought of her like an older sister and best friend all wrapped into one. She'd been married and childless for many years, but she and her husband were certain they would have a child to bless their marriage. But my earliest memory of Elizabeth is listening to her talk about the son she would have. Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, they were both descendants of Aaron. So their son would qualify to be a priest at the temple in Jerusalem, just as Zechariah was. But the years went by. They had no children. I, I prayed for them every day. My heart just broke for her. Then. Elizabeth came running to my house. I'd never seen her run before, so I was scared to hear her news. She finally caught her breath and she said, he can no longer talk. Zechariah has been struck dumb. And I said, that's horrible news. And she smiled. No, that is wonderful news. She went on to explain that Zechariah had gone to Jerusalem for his one lifelong opportunity to burn incense at the altar. While doing so, The angel Gabriel had come to tell him that he, Zechariah, would soon have a son. When he didn't believe the angel, he was struck dumb. Now, Elizabeth believed the angel. She remembered the story of Sarah and was not going to laugh in unbelief about getting pregnant at an old age. They started trying that very afternoon. Even though she was quite old, they were going to have a son. Sure enough, Elizabeth soon got pregnant. She went into seclusion and I'll talk about that a little later, but she took care of herself in every way she could. In the course of time, she had a healthy, happy baby boy. Her lifelong dream had been fulfilled. We were all ecstatic, and when her husband acted in faith, his voice was returned. Now, even though Zechariah groomed their son John to be a priest, it soon became obvious that he was destined for a different life. He loved to learn the scriptures, but he dwelt on the need for Israel to repent and turn back to God. And where most people saw the Jewish leaders as righteous, John saw them as sinful and corrupt. He wanted everyone everywhere to change their ways. Sometimes he would go into the wilderness for days at a time to fast and pray about it. The last time I saw John, he was wearing camel skin clothes and he had that dreamy-eyed prophet look, which is what he turned out to be. Okay, so back to the seclusion. Well, it was six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy that both of our lives changed. And again, it was the angel Gabriel who announced the news. See, I lived in Nazareth, just a small village, less than 150 people. I was down at the town water well late one morning, drawing water and praying about Elizabeth's baby and my upcoming marriage. See, I was engaged to be married to a fine man. (laughs) I couldn't wait to start a family of my own. All of a sudden, Gabriel appeared beside me. It seems funny now, but my first thought was that I was causing a scandal by being alone with a man. Well, at least someone who looked like a man. Little did I know that scandal would be mild compared to the one that was about to happen. So in a most calming voice, Gabriel said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I don't care how calming his voice was. I was terrified that an angel would just appear and start talking to me. You'll be terrified, too, if it ever happens to you, I promise. Then he said the craziest thing. Gabriel told me not to be afraid. Like, is that some kind of inside angel joke because they're always looking at terrified people? Anyway, Gabriel told me that I was to have a son who will reign on the throne of David. I got terribly excited. I was thinking I would be pregnant and I'd have a son and I'm just going to be so faithful to God. Then I realized he wasn't talking about a future time when I'd be married to Joseph. He was talking about now. So I tried to politely let him know that he might have made a small miscalculation, but from Zechariah's experience, I knew not to argue with Gabriel. In my most respectful voice, I asked, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I was pretty sure that announcement might be a deal breaker, but he didn't bat one of his huge eyelashes. He just said something so crazy that I, I still can't believe it's true. He told me, that the Holy Spirit would come upon me, and the power of the Most High would overshadow me, so my son would be the Son of God. Well, I knew from the examples of Sarah and Zechariah not to laugh, so I just bowed my head and said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And when I looked up, he was gone. Now you may think that I was completely caught by surprise by the whole Gabriel incident, but you might be wrong. I was of the house of David, so I knew I was qualified to be the mother of the Messiah. And like all young women of the house of David, I knew the prophecy. Isaiah had said a virgin would have a child, so I knew I possessed at least two of the characteristics of the mother of the Messiah. Some weeks after Gabriel came to me, I hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea to visit Elizabeth in her seclusion. As soon as Elizabeth heard my greeting, her baby jumped in her womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. For the next three months, Elizabeth and I just blessed each other in the Lord. Then I returned home and Elizabeth soon had her baby. Upon my arrival in Nazareth, it was apparent I was pregnant. And that's when the scandal broke in a fury. My family and friends accused me of fornication while I was away with Elizabeth, and they begged Joseph to break our engagement. There was even some talk of stoning me. In order to calm everybody down, Joseph sought to find a quiet way to end the engagement. See, he loved me enough to give up his marriage to me if the people wouldn't stone me. However, he was also too honorable to lie and say that the baby was his. Then my beloved Joseph got a big surprise. Joseph went to sleep, and he had a very powerful dream in which an angel of the Lord appeared to him. He was told to take me as his wife because the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit, not from a man. He was told to name the baby Jesus. Then Joseph did what he would always do. He obeyed the Lord completely and without hesitation. So I was looking forward to a long period of quiet, comfortable seclusion like the one Elizabeth had, but that illusion was soon shattered. See, Caesar Augustus declared that a census was to be taken of the entire empire, and that meant Joseph and I had to go to Bethlehem to register since we were pledged to be married and because Bethlehem was the town of his ancestor, David. It took many weeks of preparation because we had to travel almost a 100 miles. Now... I don't suspect you've ever walked or ridden a donkey while you're eight months pregnant, but it was neither a comfortable nor quick way to travel. It took us more than two weeks, and most nights we slept on the ground near the road. So I was thrilled as we bypassed Jerusalem and went straight to Bethlehem because I knew my baby was ready. I was imagining a nice, comfortable bed, only to find that there were not any available rooms in the town. There was one person kind enough to let us sleep in his stable, which was really just a shallow cave. However, that soft straw was as pleasant to me as any feather mattress could be. And it was a very good thing we hadn't dawdled because it was time. So Jesus was born in the middle of the night, soon after we arrived. We wrapped him and the few clothes we had for him and we laid him in a feeding trough. And then his true father provided us an unbelievable sight. Joseph and I looked out the cave entrance and saw millions of angels in the night sky just rejoicing at the birth of Jesus. And Joseph looked at them He knew that Jesus was the son of God. Any of his lingering doubts just vanished. And he gave me a look of love that any wife would die to have. We laughed together because besides us, we thought only a few shepherds would have seen the angels since it was the middle of the night. We laughed even harder when a few hours later, the shepherds arrived at our door to worship our son. We all praised and worshiped God until they had to return to their flocks, and they kept calling my son the little lamb of God.
0: It should be real. It it shouldn't be a religious story or a memorized passage or something that Charles Schultz reminds us of as we watch the Peanuts special. Should have It should have more life to it. It should have more reality to it. And I, I want to um, spend the rest of our very, very short, very specific amount of time reading, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, And everyone went to their own land to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room available in the end. This is the story that we all know. This is a story that we all understand. But we have to remember again that Luke's job is to not convince Theophilus. It's never our job to make someone believe or not to believe. But Luke wanted to make sure that in such a way, he presented the evidence as incontrovertible, all right? In a way that, that that Theophilus would say, I understand. I mean, what's different about Zeus? What's different about Aphrodite? What's different about all of these gods that we hear about in, in the Greek and in the Roman culture? Why is this birth and this miracle and this baby and this Jesus any Different And and as they finished there, what Mary said was, she said, and we saw millions of angels. And the angels basically made two statements or two announcements. And we're going to look at the shepherds and more of that next week. But I I need those two announcements to, to, to cover, to envelop our story. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what what the announcement was that the angels made. Unto you, very specific, is born this day, also very specific, in the city of David, Bethlehem, also very specific, and then a Savior Christ the Lord. Three specific things, three specific names. And then they begin to sing a couple verses after that. And their words are this, we all know them, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to him on whom his favor rests. Glory to God and on earth, peace. Very specific things, very specific Jesus with a very specific purpose. And that's all I want to look at today. Make it more real to us. I know this normally happens before Christmas, but we couldn't make that happen, and we're only like two, three days after Christmas anyway, so it's okay. Mary helped us get to the manger. Very specific time, all right? It was a date. We could mark it on a calendar. We know that Augustus was the Caesar of Rome. We know that there was Quirinius. We know that there was Herod. We can point to a very specific moment on a calendar, all right? Not not some kind of time and space from from a, a fantasy movie or film, just like we can point to a very specific place. Bethlehem is not the Shire, all right? We're not, we're not talking about Narnia here, all right? It's not Dagobah, all right? None of this is happening. We have a very specific... Dagobah, that's Star Wars. A very specific place at a very specific time that was real. Now, we buy into all of this other stuff. We, we have, have cults and clans and comic cons that are made up of all of these other things, and, and we buy into these stories but this story is real. It's about about cattle, and it's about sheep, and it's about straw, and it's about governors. Very specific time, very specific place. Listen, and a very specific gift to a very specific recipient. How many of you had any type of presence under a tree this year? Would you raise your hand if there were any type of presence in your home under a tree? All right, all of you pretty much are raising your hands now. How many of you got all of the gifts that you purchased, all right, and put them on the bed, wrapped them up, all right, and then moved them all around without marking them, threw them under the tree, and then when morning came, everybody just grabbed one, and what you got, you got. How many of you did that? Why not? Well, it's not just, it's chaotic, yes, but why not? What? It's not specific. I did not get, all right, a, a cute little baby outfit with cats on it for Tay. That doesn't work. When you buy for your children, listen, you understand, it's very, very specific. Specific sizes, specific shapes. So you need to understand the words of the of what the angel were saying. For unto you, unto you. It was a specific gift for a specific people, Todd included, George included, John included, Steve included. Listen, God said, for you at this date, at this time, orchestrated over the expanse of all time, and we actually got to experience a little bit of how that works over the last four or five days, didn't we, when Jupiter lines up here And Saturn lines up here, and at a very specific moment, not only does the star shine bright, but it kind of crosses this way and it kind of crosses this way. Have you ever wondered why the star looks the way it does in all the pictures? And now we know that it wasn't just specifically for that moment, but it happened across the course of the time at that moment, orchestrated from the day God made the heavens and the earth. Listen to me. Bethlehem is as real as Wilmore. Herod was as real as Bashir. And these lands are true. And the gift was to you. And what was the gift? On a specific time, on a specific day, you know, for a specific people, he sends a specific gift. God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And what does he call him? a Savior, which from Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of the prophets to come before, I'm going to sin. There will be one who will save us from our sins. See, sacrifices in the Old Testament were made to, to wash away our sins, but there would be at some specific time a sacrifice that would keep us from ever having to do that again. This is the Savior who will wipe out all of our sins, the one who will bring us back to God, who is Christ, Greek, Christos, the anointed one, which is also what is meant by the word Messiah, the Messiah that every young girl knew was promised. Every young boy knew was promised. They knew that it was going to come from a virgin. They knew it was going to be in the line and lineage of David. They knew, and you know, God made it so specific that mom and dad were in the line of Aaron and created John and that mom and dad were in the line of David and of Abraham so that the Jews and the Gentiles might just believe. Very specific time, very specific place, very specific gift to a very specific group of individuals. He's in a savior and a Messiah, listen, and the Lord And they knew exactly what that meant, too. And I've said this to you over and over again. Really understanding God's lordship is about understanding vocabulary. And it's as simple as this. If you decide that Jesus is Lord of your life, you have to make a vocabulary choice. You have to delete one word out of your vocabulary. Let me explain. If you call Jesus Lord, you must delete the word no. If you choose to keep no, you must delete the word Lord. It's that simple. God will show his grace upon you. But if you have the power to tell God no, he is not your Lord. The Lord is the one who is in control. The Lord is the one who reigns over. So it's a very simple matter of vocabulary. Jesus is Lord, then yes is your answer. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is your savior. Jesus is your pal. Jesus is the one you want to sing praises to. Fine, but he's not your Lord. And in there lies the depth and breadth of your love for him. Why? Because the Bible says, those who love me, comma, obey my commands. So at a very specific time, at a very specific place, in a very specific city, for a very specific group of people, there was a very specific gift, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why? The angels give us two reasons. All of this happened for glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. So the essence of of the manger. The essence of Emmanuel is this, that God might be glorified in his infiniteness, in his majesty, in his sovereignty, in his charity, in his mercy, in his grace, in his love, in his fulfillment, in his rightness, in his perfection, in all that he is, that baby says, I was, I am, I will be to come and you can be with me. Glory to God and peace on earth. One happened, whether we buy into it or not. The question for Christmas for you and for me is this. Why not peace? Because the second reason for the gift is so Cassandra, Kelly, and Tecumseh might have peace. But why not? Why why is... Peace, such a struggle? And I'm not talking about the opposite of war. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the peace some of you have known in good times, in the battle against the strife, the anxiety, the pain, the fear of what goes on in the tough times. I want you to listen and I want you to listen close. God came and gave his son to bring glory and to himself and peace to you. How does that happen when he is greater than your financial crisis? When he is greater than the disease that ravishes your body? When he is greater than the struggles you have at home? When your faith is put in a child orchestrated to remove all fear. To remove all doubt, to remove all hopelessness, to bring peace. I got to tell you, folks, and and, and I, I literally held hands figuratively and literally with the Salines over the last six to eight days because I, I got no idea yet. I know good things cometh, but I got no idea yet why our families had the weeks that we had. Now, things don't necessarily get to me. I, I rise up and down a little bit, and I get down for the people close to me. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty pretty much like this. Oh, no. This week, I was like, I got him. I mean, all over the place emotionally. And my poor bride, I mean, he's not quit yet. In between these two services, she calls to tell me what the dog has done in the cage, all over the towels, all over itself. She's trying to pack so we can leave after this service. She is a wreck. And I mean, this is just, this is like cherry on top of a week that was a, well, in the morning service, I called it a whale of a a week, but I don't want to use the word whale. Okay, so figure that one out. I mean, seriously, it was just one thing after another. You know, it started with a, something that was supposed to be so amazing, uh, uh, the launch of, of a book that I'd been working on for years and years and years. And we thought, you know, this could be good. This could be nice. You know, I wasn't, uh, it was fun. It was cool. It was neat. But that, that really, that's about where I was on it. And then, you know, the Facebook post kind of took off. And then the next Facebook post kind of took off. And so we're like, oh, my goodness, this could be okay. And then the day we launched, Facebook throttled my post. We got 10% of the hits that we got on everything else. Yeah. And so that was uber disappointing, you know? We got these 250 to 300 hits that we knew we we're getting, and the day we launched the book, it was 25. And I was like, well, this stinks. And then all of a sudden, you know, God's going to yank us back up. We read online. Don't get your hopes up here. We read online. You have the number one new release in adult Christianity. <laughs> That's pretty Cool except if nobody else releases a book and you sell one, you the man, dog. I mean, heck, I was number one in three categories. <laughs> so I'm like, this is good, right? This is good. So I write my publisher on Monday. I'm like, how many books did we sell? You know, And I would have been, I been like really happy with 100, but I was thinking, what could happen on Amazon? You never know. 26. Don't act like my mom, Jen. She's like, it's still good. And so I'm trying to get through that and I know that I've got books coming and I know that I've got The Edge coming and I know that everything's gonna be taken care of. And that night, the music guy at The Edge calls and he says, have you heard about what's going on in Tennessee? I was like, no, tell me what's up. The governor just shut it down to 10 people indoors. Now, how am I supposed to have 400 kids from eight states in a room where I'm not supposed to have more than 10? For the first time in 20 years, I'm probably gonna have to cancel that puppy. I got a thousand books in my garage. Mm-hmm. Steve, it ain't funny. I can see you laughing behind that mask. I'm gonna pray that you get the runs, brother. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I send this to Steve because Steve's kind of the guy that when I'm about to lose it, I'm on, you know, size. if I'm here, it's Sai. If I'm out, of, it's Steve. So I send it to him and he says, oh, I'm on the phone with a friend. I knew that this friend's had medical issues. I knew that his wife's been down. I knew that he was important to him. I'm like, yeah, no, talk to him. Spend time there. Only thing I get back is he's telling me he's got cancer. My heart's breaking. I know his heart's breaking. Mom lost her brother the day before. We wake up the next morning. I walk out to the car. I kid you not, battery's dead. I walk back inside to tell Jamie, and we're both laughing. I mean laughing. Laughing hard. Something's up. Something's coming. And God, listen, all things. He takes what the enemy means for evil and turns it for good. We find out we got more friends that are sick. Bomb goes off in a city that we love. Phones go down. Maybe that's great. Maybe people spending Christmas time together needed some Christmas time together. I mean, I'm good. I feel good. But listen to me. That'll steal your peace. Unless, unless it's true. Unless that baby did come. If that baby did come, did live, did die, did take away the sins of the world, if that baby is who he says he is, then all of it doesn't matter because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so I don't have to worry about my finances because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't have to worry about anxiety and stress because he loves me more than life itself. And a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him knowing, it. he knows every hair on, well, your head, because I don't have any hair on mine, but he knows. And I'm asking you if the best gift I can give you is not to beg you just to believe in what you celebrate. Stop saying it's the reason for the season, or you can put the Christ in Christmas. Xmas, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, blah, dee, blah, dee, blah, dee, blah, dee, blah. Is he in you or is he not? And if he's in you, do you believe who he is? Because he came to bring glory to God and peace to you. So, my prayer for you is that when the temperature goes up and the temperature goes down, when the money comes in and the money goes out, when the people live and when the people die, when 2020 comes and 2020 goes, and it is, I'm going to help it out. I was telling other people, you know, there's a lot we can take from 2020. guy on Facebook asked, a preacher friend of mine, he said, what have you learned from 2020? It's been a real hard year. Tell me what you've learned, and I said I've learned that I need Tic Tacs, lots and lots of Tic Tacs, because I knew that my breath wasn't the holiest. No, it is flat out sinful. That mask has told me that I'm going to walk around with Vicks in my mouth for all eternity. That's what I've learned for 2020. You're welcome, all of you. You're welcome. So if I walk like this, step, step, tra- step, tra- 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 y'all just go tic-tac. <laughs> really, guys, was it, was, it, was it that bad? And isn't he that good? We had, we're alive. And it's a gift. Kids are laughing and singing and playing. And dancing, and making videos. Friends can come and go and visit. Babies can sit in our labs and be beautifully adorable and nice and not cause trouble at all, and bless you, baby. <laughs> we can sit with our masks on and our masks on. And my prayer for you is that this Christmas you realized that that baby brought the glory. And he can bring you peace. And it is specific. It's specific for you. I hope that you can hold on to that. Let's pray. Father, you said David was a man after your own heart. And I believe it was David who understood his sinfulness, who understood his adulterous nature, his murderous nature, yet still loved and believed in God, but begged of God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. I pray that for you every day of 2021, that every morning you can arise and say, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. And may with an obedience that is angelic, an obedience that doesn't come from being human, but that comes from being a servant of the Most High God, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. To God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world that he gave us his son. My peace I give to you, peace be with you, in Jesus' name, amen.